0: This week at the Academy Awards, TripleClick won an Oscar Yeah, we can get away with saying that because uh, nobody actually watched it Welcome to TripleClick where we bring the games to you This week we are opening up the mailbag and taking some of your questions about all sorts of things From addiction to ethics in AAA video games I'm Jason Schreier. I'm Kirk Hamilton.
1: And I'm Maddie Myers. Hello. 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 Hello
0: Hello Hello again for another episode. It is us. It is the Triple Click (laughs)
1: Gang. Yes, the the Triple Triple Click crew. (laughs) That's what they call us. That
2: is. That is. We have many names. The
0: Triple Click Posse.
1: The Triple Click Gang. We We do have many names.
0: (laughs) We are known throughout the West uh, as. The fastest podcasters in the West. Believe
2: the legends that you hear about TripleClick. They're all true. All of it. Billy Kidd and the TripleClick gang. Uh, (laughs)
1: Yeah, we got rid of that guy, though.
2: (laughs) We did. We did. Now it's just the three of
0: us. Welcome back to another episode. There is lots to get through. We have an exciting episode for you all today. But first, we should talk about a couple of cool things. Number one. TripleClick is entirely listener supported, and we are very appreciative to all of you listeners out there who help make this show happen. If you are interested in helping, being a part of the magic that helps TripleClick pod its podcast, <laughs> then you can too, you too can become a subscriber, a member of Maximum Fun by going to maximumfun.org/slash join. You get some cool stuff, including monthly bonus episodes from the TripleClick gang. Triple click crew, <laughs> mm-hmm. including our next monthly bonus episode, which uh, will go up next week. Um, which this is Monday. about the MCU. We are talking about some Marvel. It will be up on Monday. What's yeah. Monday? May 3rd. Yes. Um, and you can listen to us talk about Falcon and and uh Captain Falcon and uh <laughs> Yeah, Captain <laughs>
1: Falcon, Wario, Princess Zelda. It's Captain
0: Falcon and the and the ice climbers, right? That's the yes. name of the show. And as yes. it happens, uh, you, May 3rd. That's a
2: kind of an interesting date, isn't it? That mm, that's
0: that's
1: day
2: that's, it's almost like it's true. the first day of something. What, what what might it be, Jason? Yeah,
0: coincidence. Certainly that is. It is also the beginning of Maximum Fun Drive, which is a really yeah. cool event, yeah. which is like our pledge drive for the whole network. You become a Max Fun member and you can get some cool stuff or you can upgrade your pledge and get some cool stuff. Um, although one thing I will say is if you're planning on subscribing, becoming a member um, in the $10 or above category, just wait until next
1: week because yes. then you'll
0: get your prize for it.
1: Mm-hmm. But if you want to join and get the bonus episodes, you can do that any old time at $5. Yes, we'll any time person. of the year. You can and then you can upgrade.
0: That. Yeah, that's true. You can do it time. The one thing, one thing we can announce right now, or we announce, but one thing we can remind everyone is that we'll be doing a live episode next Tuesday night at six thirty on our Twitch channel, which is Triple Click Pod, and it'll be linked in the uh, in the sh- in the show notes. Um,
2: six six thirty Eastern, Jason, because not everybody is on the East Coast of the U.S. Yes,
0: and that's available to everyone, not just members. So yeah, everyone yeah. Just can, just can tune Twitch. in and check it out. And then we're going to be publishing that episode as our episode for next week, so you'll get to listen to it a couple days early. Yeah. All right, let's. It to the show shall we Let's this week we are opening up the listener mailbag and taking your burning questions about, <laughs> yeah whatever happened to that didn't you say you were going to make a side effect a sound effect at some point yeah i like, used uh, the fireball sound effect once but oh, that's right, like a
2: real sound effect that you're supposed to license like i'm not going to use that every time oh. <laughs> we can pay for it i guess
0: it's not <laughs> that expensive we don't want to get
1: in trouble with the fireball <laughs> headquarters yeah, yeah like, well, don't want to get them on our backs
0: <laughs> you never know I mean, if there's one headquarters you would not want to piss off, it's, it's the, the Fireball headquarters. Raging That's fireball. a good
1: point. <laughs> Yeah, it's weird how many copyrights they have. Anyway, it is. I got this
0: takedown notice, and it, it smells
2: faintly of of sulfur. <laughs> <laughs> Who could it be well, from? Oh, why of? do you think
0: that happened in Final Fantasy VI, where you have to go through that house? That was because they pissed off the, yeah. the Fireball Company. Yes, yeah, the Fireball yeah, Department. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, (laughs) this week we're doing a burning questions. We got a a few questions to to get through. As a reminder, you can always reach us at at org with your own questions, thoughts, feedback, et cetera, et cetera. Kirk, take us away. Read the first question for us. All right. The first burning question comes from Wes. Wes
2: writes, hi, Maddie, Kirk, and Jason. I love the podcast as well as your individual work, and congrats on the one-year cast anniversary. Thanks, Wes. I especially enjoy the new podcast feel
0: combined with the years of experience you all have hosting together. <laughs> we'll, we'll never get rid of that. We'll always feel like a new podcast. It's true. We'll it's so have true. That, that certain new podcast
1: feel. smell. I love it. It's still so
2: there. That was really just included so that we can all feel good about ourselves. Uh, here's Wes's yeah. question. <laughs> he writes, "Triple Click" is an excellent title, but I bet there is a shared Google Doc with a treasure trove of rejected titles. I would love to hear some of the names that didn't make the cut. I totally understand if you want to keep some of the better ones in your back pocket, but I'm mostly interested in hearing the truly terrible names. Uh, oh yeah! So as it happens, yes, there is a Google Doc, and I'm it's literally a Google Doc. Looking at yeah. it right now. So why don't we uh, why don't we share a few of these?
0: Yeah. So okay. So we should go through the finalists first. You want to talk about the yeah. finalists? Yeah. Sure. So the sure. ones
1: we considered good at one point in our lives. Yeah. Are they? So good? triple
0: click is in hmm. bold. Um, glitch Pod is another one we <laughs> yeah strongly thought about. Considered. Glitch Pod. It's got a nice rhythm to it. Glitch
2: Pod. Sounds glitch good. Pod. Escape, mm-hmm. key. I liked mm-hmm. escape key. I like escape key. Welcome to yeah, escape. it's a little
0: awkward to say. I think escape key. It doesn't. Have I think to yeah. that was why as... we
1: rejected it. Was because mm-hmm. it's hard to say escape key. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: splitting pixels. Also, one that's a little hard to say. Yeah,
2: um, and that was a that was a, a finalist and is actually the name of the company that we have yes, together. So we kept that one, Pixel. just not mm-hmm. for our podcast. We have a separate. You know, the company that we use is to do the business of Triple click is called Splitting Pixels. That's right. The overlay.
0: The overlay. I'm, I'm not a big fan of that one. The overlay. Yeah, I don't even yeah.
1: really remember that I don't even either. being in contention. Are you somebody sure that somebody would add the, the overlay in
0: here? I feel like it was a trick This the name Kirk sucks. One. Who wrote this? I
1: probably came up By with it. By the way,
0: Kirk gets the credit for triple click. Kirk came up yes, with triple click. Yes, that, was, that was mine. It's true. Um, That's Some awkward. other names Hidden Exit, Hidden Door, Secret Door. Those were some I was playing around with for a while. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Split Pixels, which is kind of a variation on splitting pixels. I like that one. It has the same
2: kind of triple triple-click, split-pixels. When it comes to naming things, I'm kind of all about rhythm. I think that that's a very important thing. Yeah, singing like, that loud. It's kind of the challenge with, like, hidden exit is a cool combination of words and a cool concept, but just as a, like, automata-poetic or, like, percussive sound, hidden exit is just a little bit soft, where triple-click yeah. or split-pixels. Split-pixels is actually maybe a little too spitty. Split is it's kind too of many. A, a little spitty. Mm-hmm. Though split is a really fun word. I remember I would suggest that for headlines. When people, you know, it'd be like, so-and-so split over this decision or something. Like uh-huh. split is yeah, a, yeah. It's it's a good, good word. punchy word. I think,
0: yeah. a I think word. for a name, I think having the two... If you're going to do two words and three total syllables, I think having the two-syllable word first is stronger than having the two-syllable yes. word second.
2: Because you have the stronger mm-hmm. landing point. Like you, you mm-hmm. have a good emphasis at the ending. It's like how the conclusion is actually... Well, the second, maybe the most important part of an article. Is that true? Mm-hmm. Am I just talking Yeah, my Yeah, it's the part
1: nobody reads well, you according always to wanna, metrics.
2: All
0: right. <laughs> you, yeah, you always want to put the most forceful, the strongest words towards the end of the sentence and you want to rearrange your sentence to have a certain... Yeah, pattern. I
2: remember whenever I would I would write a review or something and I would really come up with like a, a fairly good conclusion that I really felt like it just like landed it and like brought people home. I feel like if you do get to the conclusion and then you read that, you're like, that was a good article I read. Even if there was like the article is maybe kind of dodgy, like the conclusion just leaves you kind of thinking that. So it's the same concept, but for names, that makes sense. I want to read a few bad ones. Yeah, Uh, At some point we were
0: just, I mean, some of this list is just like um, uh word like vomiting, just ideas, you know, when you just like, sometimes what I do for names is I'll just open up a notepad and just like type whatever comes to mind immediately. So, um, Mm Secret character, secret unlocked, guest character, cover system, turn based
1: Welcome to Guest Character, <laughs> <Welcome> <laughs> to guest character a, a podcast about video games. None of us are part of the cast of this show. We're all guest characters. Combat rhythm,
0: <laughs> pixel pod, charging station, glitch door, red key, escape hatch, screen tear, stop restart, save scum. A lot of this is just like eventually part of the idea is to like write down so many terms that like maybe something will inspire something else. And yes, like yes, part yes, of the yes, exercise yes. is just like. We we did not think that all of these the were Jesus gems. Following. We
2: did not think that "Save Scum" was a great name for a video game podcast. No. Though there probably is a video game podcast out there called "Save Scum," and if that's you, no offense, I'm them. sure your podcast is great.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the point and the click. Did you write that, Kirk? That I think I did. Like a that's a Kirk kind of a quirky
2: kind of a name. The point and the, 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 the click. The point and the click
1: is clip. kind of sweet. <laughs>
2: That's gonna be my next album.
1: Um, D pad dreamers. I don't. D pad dreamers. Jacob. <laughs> Jacob
0: <laughs> Glitch rhythm is one that click just sticks. Oh my god, click, so, click sticks. sticks. That's got a, a good I rhythm. Click sticks. Okay, Glitch hot rhythm. cash. Prime pixels. <laughs> hot cash. <laughs> That was okay, okay but it's
1: spelled C A C H E. I feel yeah. like that is terrible for an audio format because it yeah. just sounds like hot cash. Right. Welcome, Welcome to, to the hot, the hot Cash. cash. It's SH. not a
0: podcast about cash. <laughs> Welcome to the Cash Money podcast. <laughs>
1: No, yeah, why isn't it cash well, money, but, you know, spelled yeah. the other way.
2: Prime Dixels, oh. like
1: sticks,
0: the code? The code sounds
2: like, I don't know.
1: The code sounds like a pickup artist show or something. Like, it sounds <laughs> like the game or, Like I don't the know. lead
0: guitarist in a U2 cover band. <laughs> Cracking the code.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> I, so happening? I was looking through my email, and I found, before we even started this document, we were in Gchat, just like, actually, the week that Deadspin was killed was pretty much when we decided, hey, we're going to go do our own thing.
1: Interesting. I want Wonder why that was the weekend. We <laughs> um and so
0: it's us brainstorming, wacky. just a bunch of names. Um, okay, cool. Let's get to the next question. Maddie, give us this one.
1: This one is from Mark who writes, Hi, Jason, Maddie, and Kirk. My friends and I were talking about very influential slash important games and how many people around the world, gamer or not, would know these by name, regardless if the people in question had only seen the game before, heard about it, or actually played it. We talked about Undertale, a game that's huge, but certainly not everyone's cup of tea, but has gone on to sell millions, exist on every platform, and have one of its characters, Sans, be arguably one of the most iconic video game characters ever. Despite this, one of us believed few people would actually know what Undertale is if asked. This chat went from 1 to 100 very quickly. (laughs) It reached a point where we compared the bubble of games culture to something like sports culture. And if more people would know about someone like Josh Allen, the quarterback for the Buffalo Bills. It's a question I feel is pretty easy to answer. But it makes me wonder just how big something like Undertale is to people outside of games. If we were to do a survey in a random mall in any metropolitan city in the USA, would more people recognize something like Undertale or Josh Allen? How does something as deep-rooted into games as Undertale break its way into the minds of the mass population, and where does it compare to what might seem a more mainstream culture?
0: So, this is such a good question. First of all, have either of you heard of Josh Allen? Like, do you know? Is that a player you would know? (laughs) Me neither. I mean, I know
1: who
2: he is. I know he's the quarterback for the Buffalo Bills because Mark helpfully told us that.
1: Yeah, I just heard that. Yeah, Yeah, I
2: just heard that from somebody. Uh, This is a perfect
0: comparison because Undertale is like not a game that your average person would have heard of. And Josh Allen is not a quarterback who your average non sports fan would have heard of. So, I pulled up some numbers that'll help us have a frame of reference here. So, Undertale, there aren't, as far as I can tell, any super updated sales um, for the game. But by July 2018, according to Wikipedia, the game had an estimated total of three and a half million players on scheme, three and a half million. The recent, the most recent January, 2021, uh, a Buffalo Bills game on a Saturday night against the Ravens. Um, uh, I believe it was a playoff game had an average of 21 million players viewers so 21 million versus three and a half million sales let's say that maybe i don't know um how many more people do you think know what undertale is that that didn't buy it maybe 10 times as many maybe like 30 million people know what what undertale is is that a fair guess sure i don't, yeah, know. I don't know it's hard to tell sure. we're making then, up numbers so yeah. yeah. Well, and then, sure. Probably a lot more than 21 million viewers know who Josh Allen of the Buffalo Bills is, but nobody outside so you of you started with like a really clear
2: comparison, and now we're in the realm of imaginary numbers. So I'm imaginary. not sure where you're going,
0: Jason. But, but I love it.
2: Stick the landing. You got this. <laughs> the, reason,
0: <laughs> the reason, the reason that this is really difficult also is because outside of the U.S., nobody would know who Josh Allen is, um, except like mm. your rare football fan in in Europe mm-hmm. or something. But they would probably like a lot of gamers would probably know what Undertale is. So I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you guys think that, uh, who do you guys think would, would be more recognizable to your average? Go ahead, Maddie. Person? I have thoughts. But you I mean, go first. of
1: this direct comparison, I don't think I can do a better analysis than you just attempted to do, Jason. But to answer the more general question, I say, I think anecdotally, it has a lot to do with advertising and where games are advertised. And that mm. means people have heard of Call of Duty and World of Warcraft, and games that got a lot of ads in certain time periods of their lives, and they just still associate those games with gaming. I mean, that's just what I've always heard. Whereas Undertale, it's not advertised in ad breaks on Hulu or whatever, or at least I've never seen an ad break like that. Whereas I have seen ad breaks for Call of Duty. So that's part of what I think causes that. Uh, omnipresence is No,
0: but that but yeah, but I mean do you think Undertale Yeah, I mean I think if you ask the average person Call of Duty versus Josh Allen Call of Duty would win in a landslide, but like yeah. Undertale versus random game versus random NFL quarterback. That's why it's a useful like uh comparison with these two specifically.
1: <laughs> I mean, I guess, but it's like, well, have you heard of games or have you heard of quarterbacks? Which right. is That's
0: an interesting question. Well, but but what's what's on top of that is that like Uh, The NFL has such a cultural ubiquity that... Maybe games don't have, or because Josh Allen is not the most famous quarterback. Like, if you asked this about Tom Brady, it would be an obvious exactly. answer. Everyone knows who Tom Brady is, but like he's Josh the Call Allen... of Duty
1: of quarterbacks. Yeah, exactly. it's because he has such a good advertising budget. Yeah, Go I on. Mean, there's <laughs> also
2: just like that the NFL is maybe a little bit like Undertale to an NFL game is maybe a little like you could compare it to a college quarterback maybe a little bit more. Like there's there are no, other Undertale, Undertale. <laughs> just because like Call of Duty is more the NFL level of video. Games games though Mm -hmm. undertale is well known i think there's also i've been thinking about like other games that are very well known uh in just the world that are outside of the super advertised games like um you know call of duty or or, um, any of those super huge published franchises um i was thinking minecraft but now minecraft is kind of advertised by microsoft but yeah roblox or um yeah or even undertale i think there's also a lot of kids that know undertale a thing that i've found just totally anecdotally through people that I've talked to who are parents, they'll be like, oh, Undertale. Like I th- It was back when I recorded a cover of Undertale. I was like, oh, I just did a cover of this game Undertale. I'd be like, oh, my kid talks about that all the time. Uh-huh. And I don't know what it is, but I see it on the screen and I see the characters of my kids talk about it. And I think that is one way that some like less you know, Call of Duty style, like huge mega franchise games get out into the popul- popular consciousness is that People's kids play them and kids get really into actually games that aren't always Call of Duty, like they will get into Undertale. And then, you know, the parents will just see the kids playing it or listening
0: to the music.
1: Mm -hmm. And then the parents will have heard of it. Yeah. Right.
0: So the wild card here, I think, is fantasy football, which is played by millions and millions and millions of people and has taught those people like the names of players in a way that they might not have because most people are probably watching just their local teams every Sunday or whatever. Like if you're in Arizona, you might just be watching the Cardinals and not really care who's on the bills, who the quarterback for the bills is. But if you play fantasy football, which many, many people do, then you would actually know who like the quarterbacks are. So, fundamentally i think like ultimately i think the answer to this question is if you went to a u.s mall and got a random sampling of the population and asked them this question more would know josh allen than undertale i think Um, i mean nobody's going to be at the
2: mall right now or like a lot of yeah like maybe maybe right now isn't the time but yes i see what you're saying if you just (laughs) took a random sampling not at the
0: mall but just some other on the street maybe on the street yeah yeah um in
1: a lineup for a vaccine uh, right
0: (laughs) um But if you did this in like Europe or Japan, then maybe the answer would be Undertale Um, because I feel like more fewer people like I don't don't know how many people in Japan know the Buffalo Bills quarterback versus like Undertale, which was a a fairly popular game there and had like a big Japanese release and stuff. So Mm -hmm. that's what Mm -hmm. I think the answer is. That's my guess.
2: Yeah. And the sort of just to that question, how does something as deep rooted in games as Undertale break its way into the just to the masses? Like, how does a game like Undertale break through is Mm. kind of an interesting question. I mean, Maddie, you mentioned advertising, and I think that's very true. Like for those huge franchises, that's definitely why everybody knows Call of Duty is because there's these big Call of Duty ads with famous people in them. But it is kind of like how how did Minecraft break through back when it when it wasn't owned by microsoft because it did like everyone knew who it was
0: well so it can game. never happen for something like undertale because undertale isn't a game that you can keep talking about undertale isn't a game that you could have like a podcast that is like what's happening in undertale this week it, essentially it's not a game as a service minecraft mm. is a game as a service and it's a game that's like online constantly being updated constantly like you're coming up with new things in it right. and so it can be talked about to the point where it hits that cultural consciousness yeah
2: it's not just that it's not a game as a service it's also that microsoft that minecraft unless you make things like before it was kind of treated as a game as a service it was a creative game
0: but the point that is part that's what makes it a game as a service a game as a service is no is by definition a game as a service is a game that can be continually played like indefinitely played because it is constantly like getting new things changing minecraft from the beginning like entered was started off in beta and was constantly being patched all right but changed. i'm
2: saying that like the creative element of minecraft was the thing yeah, that made it that, perpetually interesting not necessarily yes. the fact that it was being updated
0: yeah yeah but I think the 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 fact that it's updated keeps it in the cultural consciousness and that's what's important for like breaking into um, the cultural breaking into the zeitgeist is like being a game that's constantly being talked about. Yeah. Like imagine a podcast that could be dedicated just to that game. It would be hard to have an undertale podcast unless you're like talking about new fan art every week or something like that. But it would not be hard to have a call of duty podcast because there's new stuff constantly. It would not be hard to have a Minecraft podcast. Like that's the way that I think about it. World of Warcraft podcast. It would not be hard to, and those kind of align with the games that, that penetrate the cultural consciousness Mm -hmm. um i guess there are a few exceptions
1: do you feel like the nfl is also a service game jason because i (laughs) do it is constantly changing
0: changing. i mean you guys know that you guys might not even know this that for next year the nfl is doing a 17 game season from now on instead of 16 games used to be 16 games this season. now it's 70 games um okay let's get on to the next question um i will read this one This is from Max. Max says games like Genshin Impact and mobile and certain mobile games seem prone to gambling like addictions as these games encourage gambling behaviors with real money to get rewards or progress the game without any spending limits. Additionally, games like World of Warcraft may not create the same financial burdens but can be so time-consuming to some gamers that they cease engaging with their normal responsibilities and cause harm to themselves. What do you think about video games whose design may encourage addiction, intentionally or otherwise? How should the gaming community react to it? What should be the responsibility of journalists who review or advertisers who promote these more addictive games? I'm personally conflicted. I acknowledge how we all take personal responsibility for the risks in gaming and that a but vast majority of people will be fine. However, as a therapist, I've also worked with a minority of people who have experienced actual harm from their addictive gaming. I've wondered what our collective gaming community responsibility should be to help protect more vulnerable or addiction-prone gamers. Mm. Interesting question. Yeah, it's a tough one. I yeah, mean, I, I, I have, like, conflicted feelings about even talking about Genshin Impact. It's kind of why I never wanted to play it because of this whole gotcha aspect and the... The, mm-hmm. the idea them yeah. wanting whales,
1: but you have you have both played Destiny, so you have experienced this sort of World of Warcraft comparison of like participating in an ecosystem of a game that there are there are actually real money interactions in Destiny as well in Destiny two. But that isn't necessarily something that the three of us have really talked about that much. Yeah. But it is a part well, of it. Okay. I mean, so,
0: so, well, so two, two, I think it's two different things. What you talk, yeah. what you just mentioned first, that it's like a time suck game, that's a different yep. form of addiction than the money thing. The money thing is mm-hmm. what worries me personally a lot more than the time suck thing. With Destiny, there's very, like, there's not a ton. Of, I mean, if you're really into cosmetics, you can spend a bunch of money, but it's not like they're chasing whales who will spend thousands of dollars the way that gotcha games really are. Like, gotcha games are genuinely. Predatory. Destiny is not. World of Warcraft Is not. But Destiny and World of Warcraft Are time addiction. Like that's That's a different thing. Money addiction versus time addiction Uh, So yeah this is something we talked about recently
2: With regards to loop hero. I was sort of At the time talking about being Pulled into a game like A God of War or like some story based game Where there's still progression and I'm like really into it And I feel Mm -hmm. like just kind of sucked in and then differentiating that from a game like Destiny, a game that's designed to have all of these like super, you know, grabby systems that like really like trick my brain into wanting to play. Like there's kind of a difference. But Maddie, at the time you pointed out, you were like, it's a spectrum. Like these games are all on the same spectrum. And Mm -hmm. No matter how far you get away from, like, the really pure gacha game, like, you know, every level you just get random rewards that give you, like, random rolls on these repeating characters, and you're always trying to get the five-star one so you can have the best one. Like, the most kind of gross and obviously exploitative version of that, all the way down to the game that just has some element of randomness, or or even just a game where you level up, and, like, you have to level up a certain amount before you can see the next chapter. It's all on the same spectrum. And I think that that's true, which kind of it brings me to the uh, uncomfortable conclusion that like all <laughs> video games have this are unethical? <laughs> baked into them. No, not unethical, like that all video games have this baked into them. Like there's just some element when you're designing something that people are going to play in a like artificial environment, maybe that's sort of pulling them forward and that's designed and sort of scaffolded in, in a way that the more they play, the better they get and they level up. Like you're always playing with that part
0: of people's brains, right?
1: I think you are, I but but are. again,
0: but I think we're talking about two different parts of people's brains. There's the the part that is like we want to give you enough dopamine with every single click or every single button press. That you keep playing and you don't stop playing. And then there's a part of people's brains that is like we want that dopamine to lead to you having to spend money as a result of that. And I feel like doing the former is something that a game like Destiny does all the time. That all games do, like you said, but not all games like try to convert that dopamine into into money. Well, I mean, like I don't know. You keep giving- giving destiny a pass but like you saw the way that they just announced these like
2: transmog systems where you can grind a whole bunch and level up and make your character look cool or you can just pay for the same things and not have to do the grinding like there's still like a financial incentive in destiny there's there's probably destiny whales like i don't think there are there are definitely people who like spend a whole ton on microtransactions in that game too
1: yeah
0: sure i mean i think there's more of a more you're not encouraged to spend as part of what the game actually is because it feels like its own ecosystem yeah yeah. there's a distinction Um, even transmog it's all cosmetic
2: but it's all on the same spec it's all on a spectrum like even destiny and gacha games are on a spectrum they're just I, i see the differences you're talking about but they are on the same spectrum
1: Mm-hmm. I also think that the time-based games are still taking your money. Like Any subscription-based game is taking your money, whether you're playing it or not. Obviously, that's how World of Warcraft works, and it's also part of why they try to keep you hooked. But also, to circle back to Kirk's earlier point, I think that there is a spectrum as well in the way that randomness works in games, and even the games that we don't think of as being, quote-unquote, as bad as gotcha games. Like A lot of games have randomized weapon drops or loot drops, for example, that Feel very exciting. And like suddenly getting a really cool gun in Borderlands or whatever feels really good. And then the next step is games that include just the option to roll or re-roll for certain kinds of weapon drops. And then maybe you like pay a little bit of money to get to re-roll those things. And then you start getting into the gotcha game territory. But the way that friends of mine who play gotcha games talk about them, I mean, this is part of why I try to be careful about this is because I do know people who play them responsibly enough and have fun just with that experience of randomness and like only spend a little money and just genuinely have fun with basically a slot machine experience and they're fine and don't like it when people talk about gotcha games as being inherently evil or unethical Mm -hmm. because they're having a good experience with the game. But then there is that minority of people who are whales who are, you know, prone to uh, falling into a compulsive habit and spending money that they don't have. And that can happen in like actual casinos. And there are whales there too. Like gambling is a real compulsion. So I don't know. I don't know if the issue is the games or just the fact that we don't think about them as being the same as other forms of compulsion that are treated. Like we do think of gambling addiction as a thing and gaming addiction as kind of being a thing, but it's I think it would be better if we didn't think it was something that happened to everyone. And instead we were just like, it can happen to some people sometimes and those people should get help, but it doesn't have to be pathologized constantly.
0: I think the biggest difference is what you're saying is that like... We don't talk about slot machines as game of the year candidates and talk about how cool they are and how pretty they are. Like, like, like the way that people talk about Genshin Impact, and I should say, I should preface this by saying I haven't actually played that game, but or just gotcha games in general. I don't want to pick on just one, but like the way people talk about gotcha games sometimes makes me uncomfortable because they're talked about as if they're normal games, but they're very much games that are trying to push people to spend money in a way that your 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 normal game is not. Um, And I I did a little bit of research on this a few years back um, where I was talking to some people who were like actual whales and like have spent thousands of dollars on these games and have kind of succumbed to that and have seen it up in their lives in some really horrible ways and it's really just like it's not something that is explored enough when we talk about these games. It's not something that is regulated by the government the way the casinos are the way the gambling is. It's not something that really is is treated on the same level as gambling. Like we treat Genshin Impact, and by we, I mean the, the collective culture of gaming. We treat Genshin Impact as if it's another game. Like, oh, look at that cute-looking a Breath of the Wild type game, but that can be really dangerous for a lot I of mean, people. I mean, we do
1: and we don't. I feel like a lot of people talked about this issue with Genshin when it came out because like, in addition to having gotcha elements, it also has story elements and it has just enough story elements that more people were getting into it who don't normally play gotcha games and then were surprised and sucked in by it and were reacting to it in a way that they wouldn't with like some other classic gacha game that doesn't mm-hmm. have a Breath of the Wild-like story and characters you like and all those other aspects. So that's Part of why Genshin is an interesting example here, because it's like, well, how much is too much? And, you know, then you get into stuff like Overwatch loot boxes and like different kinds of loot boxes in games. And like, should they not be there? There They're also sustaining developers, as I'm sure you know, Jason, like there are many developers who don't necessarily want to include these things in their games, but feel like they have to for financial reasons. And... I don't know. Maybe the problem is capitalism. Uh, that's, that's how I it end a lot of these days. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, yeah.
0: Again, I just I just see a pretty fine difference, pretty concrete difference, actually, between an Overwatch that has loot boxes, which are pretty horrible. I, does it even have? I feel like they removed loop loot boxes from a lot of games because they were worried about all that regulation a couple of years back. Yeah. But but even a game that uh, that pushes you, I don't know, a free to play game like League of Legends, like there's a cap on what you can spend in, in League of Legends, like you. You could buy X number of characters. You could spend Y amount of money, and that's it. Um, and it just feels very different. It feels like like monetization of games feels different often in some of these big publisher games than it does in like uh, I don't know a FIFA Ultimate Team or a Simpsons Tapped Out. That's a good example. And that you're constantly paying to speed things up or to like get rid of your timers and your mobile games. Like those games just feel designed to be predatory in a way that a game that is like has a fun loop and also lets you spend money on cosmetic gear um doesn't it it just doesn't have the same feel it's like it's the spectrum of the spectrum of grossness um there's one end and the gotcha stuff is on one end and maybe overwatch and and other games like that are in the middle versus the single player only no microtransactions at all
2: yeah I to look at the second part of Max's question though like that's all true, and it's it's a vast constellation of different kinds of games, and I think you can spend we could spend an hour like parsing the differences between each one. but to look at the second part of his question about games that aren't even trying to get money out of you, mm-hmm. there's still that that's still there, and it is still something that. I don't know how to talk about always and like don't think anyone really does. And because it's like it is a thing that is that is very clear to me when I'm, you know, when I'm playing a game, which isn't all the time now. Like sometimes I'm just sort of bouncing between things or just doing other stuff. And then it's like we talked about last week, like not being a professional games journalist or anything. There are just totally (laughs) times where I'm not playing a game. And it makes me really aware of how I feel when I am, which recently Subnautica and Monster Hunter Rise are two games that I like really, really played. And they both, in different ways, like, have these systems that really pull me in and got me, like, really in the groove with Monster Hunter Rise. They're both crafting, actually, in Monster Hunter Rise. It's this, like, RNG-based crafting, and it's nicely spread across different types of RNG. so, like, you can actively pursue stuff for your armor, but then decorations are kind of harder to get, and then your talismans are pure RNG. But it's all these systems that are, like, different amounts of randomness that make you feel that kind of constant little rush of excitement. Oh, I finally can make that new decoration to slightly get a better skill so the next time that I fight it'll be easier for when (laughs) the next DLC hits. But none of it's making me spend money. It's all just like the game encouraging me to play it. And that is also... I don't want to say it's a problem. Like I said, it's hard to talk about, but it's, it's a thing that I'm very aware of when I'm playing it is that I'm like sucked in spending a lot of time playing it. And it's, I don't know that that's always good. Like, I think that this great power that games have, and I don't think most of them wield it responsibly or at least with like the sort of consciousness that they're doing it it just seems like they're kind of doing it because oh yeah well this is the way we get people to play a bunch (laughs) of our game and now all games are kind of designed this way on a kind of fundamental level and that makes me feel a
0: lot of different conflicting ways yeah yeah, and we use. I'm certainly guilty of this using addictive as kind of a positive quality. Yeah, yeah, game, yeah. I mean, that, that was really what the question last time was about. It, it yeah, was yeah, like yeah. people um, talk about addictive as I a positive. I think. Thing. I think often about civilization and those games because those games do the same yeah. sort of dopamine hits, series yeah. of little, little mini dopamine hits, but they're never ending. And like when a Civ game ends, you just start a new one, and mm-hmm. it's it's not like there's an endpoint to civilization the way there is in Monster Hunter Rise or like any other game that has a a final I mean, there isn't content. really in Monster Hunter Rise, though. Like, it's you keep, keep playing it forever. And they're about to... They just updated. it well, to Well, eventually this, you yeah. kill all the monsters, no?
2: No, <laughs> you, got you can you just keep all, like, going. You start a new weapon. Okay. You can play, like, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds all of right,
0: hours. All right, not the point. Point being that, like, I think of it often when it comes to civilization and games yeah. like that. Because those games are, like, fascinating and cerebral and, like, really good. But... They also have that quality that, like, could really take advantage of vulnerable people and have. I mean, people used to call EverQuest back in the day EverCrack. Evercrack. And it was like, it was not a positive <laughs> thing. Like, it was really, I mean, World of Warcraft ruined people's lives. There's stories of like people um, dying in like Korean uh, 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 cafes and their bangs. Sure.
1: We know the horror stories, but I. I don't know. I I feel like, at least speaking for myself, I'm more likely to fall into those patterns if I'm already depressed. I mean, I don't know mm. if that's true for everyone. I'm not a medical no, professional, sure. but the times in my life when I've gotten really sucked into a game and in, in a way that's unhealthy are usually because I'm already not doing very well. So like, yeah, I'm a vulnerable person in that case, like Jason said, and that is a concern, but it's also like, well, there's probably also something else going on. It's not to say I don't think the games are responsible in some way for capitalizing on these human impulses, but I guess I'm just it's not, I don't know. I I don't know why I'm defending video games here. I don't know where I'm going with this video
2: game but because yeah. there's a defense. Like there's a, it's that's why it's, it's complicated. Like there's yeah. not,
1: it's like also human beings are doing the game thing. Like, yeah. it's, it, it, you know, humans are making these games and then also they're playing them. And it's not just and like, we're making
2: the decision to do that. We're being
1: controlled by these machines and we right. can't help yeah. ourselves. It's like, yeah, there's, there's more to it than that. I don't know.
2: Yeah, yeah, no. Um, I understand why Max is conflicted is my conclusion. <laughs> we all are, Max. Yeah, we all, we all are. are.
0: We're right there with you, buddy. <laughs> Should we take one more question and then and then say goodbye? Sure. Sure. Um, Kirk, give it to us. All right, this comes from Anders, who writes, Is there any such
2: thing as a AAA company where shit is good for the employees? (laughs) I used to think that Ubisoft were the only ones where things seemed to be working great regarding crunch, abuse of power, and other matters. Um, The Guillemonts, however, proved me wrong. What AAA studios would you recommend for a gamer aspiring to be ethical and where I'm throwing my money? The first ones that come to mind are Nintendo and Valve in the early days of Steam, but I'm not sure what to think anymore. Uh, Jason, I feel like this is one that you can probably answer well. So you could at least yeah, this is
1: easy,
0: right? The, the answer is no. <laughs> the answer is no. Yeah, no. I don't know. I mean, people ask me this a fair amount, and I, I used to try to answer it. But like, even when I hear from people like, "Oh, my company is great to work," there still might be. I mean, Ubisoft is a perfect example because I had heard from a lot of people like Ubisoft is amazing to work at, right and then right. all the stuff came out last summer, and it was like, "Holy crap!" Like, I I had not even gotten wind of of a lot of that stuff. Um, So, yeah, it's difficult to say. I mean, I think fundamentally it's like um, there is no such thing as being ethical when it comes to supporting AAA gaming. And so you just kind of have to decide like, OK, this is this is what I'm going to do. There was probably crunch behind this game. There was probably QA people treated like shit to make this game. There are executives on top of this game who are raking in millions of dollars in bonuses. But uh, that's capitalism for you and there's nothing I can do. So I might as well try to enjoy this game um despite knowing that they're horrible conditions that made it um Mm -hmm. yeah i don't know i don't really have an answer because like you could say nintendo and nintendo might seem lovely and family friendly but like we've heard horror stories from japan and japanese uh workers are less likely to speak out so who knows what's going on um at japanese companies so i don't know Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's interesting
1: that Anders chose Nintendo and Valve, which are the two companies that are sort of stereotyped as black boxes where their company culture is Mm -hmm. unknown, at least in the early days of Steam.
2: (laughs) That's a very good point. That
1: that Anders is citing here. Um, I I think at this point, there are more stories about overwork at Valve or people having left because they were unhappy there. Uh, But... Mm -hmm. In the early days, not so much, and that's part of why those companies have or had good associations, because we didn't know about them. And same goes for you, Ubisoft. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we just didn't know about them. So it's like, well, maybe the trick is is ignorance is bliss, I guess, and, and you can just assume that a AAA <laughs> right. studio is great until you hear otherwise. Just right. don't
0: listen to gaming news.
1: <laughs> yeah, don't, don't pay any attention to gaming news. I, I think it's more just... This is how I feel about boycotting all companies in general. It's like, if something personally bothers you, you should boycott it, but there's no possible way that you could create some type of comprehensive directory of how, which companies you should and shouldn't boycott, because there are going to be terrible people working at all of them, no matter what you do. And that's society. So like, you'll Mm -hmm. go nuts if you try. I used to try to figure out which companies I should boycott and then moved on with my life. So... I wish yeah. Andrews luck in that quest. Well, it's
0: not, but it's not just the terrible people. It's their terrible systems. That yes. all. And that's what really bums yeah. you out. And, I think that people ask all the time, what should I do as a gamer who wants to support ethical practices? And I think the answer is the only real answer that I can think of is just to keep speaking out about it and like make sure that companies don't get a chance to just like continue operating in the shadows the way that they have been. Um, and I think one thing that has been kind of heartening to see over the past few years is just how much the conversation has improved around industry issues and misconduct and crunch and sexism and stuff like that. Like, I feel like people are just actively talking talking about this stuff a lot more than they used to and that alone is a victory um because the only way to get this stuff to change is like sunlight is the best disinfectant and that's the like like shining a light on the stuff and talking about it it's really the only way to to ultimately change this stuff mm-hmm. yeah okay let's take a break and then we will be back with one more thing
2: mr robot man what are you doing
1: i'm just taking one last look my workers. Every journey comes to an end. Remember, Plek, the space will be with you
0: always. Sorry, who are you again? Master Kieran? Oh, right,
2: right, right, sorry. just calling in. Friendships <laughs> will be tested.
1: Dawg, you have to do it. You have to shoot Plek. Okay. Okay. Wow, you shot him so fast. Destinies will be fulfilled.
0: I've become a complete bird. I'm flying.
1: I'm flying. (laughs) On April 28th, the saga starts concluding. Guys, we don't have a choice. We have to put on a show.
2: We can do it in the old barn. We've got the (laughs) costumes. We've got a stage. We can do it, you guys.
1: Mission. (laughs) to zix the final season on maximum fun
0: max fun drives almost here it starts on monday may 3rd ends on may 14th and it's the best time to support the shows you love here are some folks like you sharing what max fun and our shows mean to them most importantly it's meant community
2: and uh, yeah, just thanks for hanging out, making joke em up and making my week a little bit brighter.
0: So thanks, Max Fun Fun, for making me a better person and making sure that I'm surrounded by better people.
1: Thanks again for all you do. Love supporting Max Fun, and uh, keep it up.
0: Come back Monday, May 3rd for more details from your favorite hosts. We'll have some of the best episodes of the year, special Max Drive thank you gifts, and maybe a few surprises. That's Monday, May 3rd. Until then. And we are back with one more thing. Kirk, you want to take us away here?
2: Sure. Uh, My one more thing is a Netflix show that I watched over the weekend. Started watching on Friday and then Binge in 24 Hours, which it's been a long time since that happened. Good sign. Speaking of addictive... Yeah. It was uh, it was really a fun show. So the show is called Shadow and Bone. It's uh, pretty talked about. I see some articles on Polygon.com about it. It's um, true. So I'm going to tell a funny story about this. So uh, Shadow and Bone is based on uh, the Grishaverse books, which are written by an author named Leigh Bardugo. Um, the first book was published in 2012. And I didn't know what it was when I saw that it was on... Um, Netflix. And then I saw an article on Polygon that just was a positive write-up. It was like, this is great. And it improves on the books. And I was like, oh, that's that's exciting. And I'll always check out a fantasy show. And Emily really likes those too. So I was like, let's just watch the show, whatever. So we started it and I was like, this is great. We kept watching a couple episodes in and I start thinking, I feel like I know some of these characters, <laughs> but I don't know this story or the name of this story. And there's this, so the, the premise of the story is this, it's this fantasy world there's like people with magic it's got a lot in common with some other fantasy worlds like there uh you're born and you kind of like get a test when you kind of reach adolescence and if you have magic in the test they take you whisk you away to like be a Grisha and the Grisha are like magic users who have all sorts of different disciplines um there's like ones that bend elements a little bit like Avatar there's like people who can there's all different kinds of magic but it has some things in common with that magic system it's very science based too um it's a little bit like uh Uh, Full Metal Alchemist also. They're in a kind of totalitarian government. It's a kingdom, actually, that's based more on, like, Eastern European kingdoms. So it's, like, fantasy, European fantasy, but not, like, English you know, whatever, like Lord of the Rings style. So it's a little different, and it's very political show. More Witcher? Yeah, though technologically, it's more like World War One era. The premise is, like, there's this huge kingdom, um, and the kingdom is uh, Ravka, I believe it's called, and the kingdom is split in two by this thing called the Fold that's this huge black darkness zone that happened because of a magical calamity hundreds of years ago and has split the kingdom in two and now west ravka and east the the two parts of the kingdom are like separate and um there's all this political machinations of like is the west going to secede and like they want the fold to be there but the fold could go away and if the fold went away like who benefits from that so anyways and then the main character is a young woman who discovers that she's like a super special magic mage and gets whisked away and then is. um yeah, you know naturally. so it's like is she going to is she going to save the world or remove the folder is does she not want to is she a pawn is she her own person all right okay so <laughs> that's the story of shadow and bone and it's a very pretty standard sounding you know when i describe it to you you're like okay i know what yeah. this is going to be so over yeah. in west ravka though there's this group of like thieves this guy Kaz and Inej who's like the wraith and she's his sort of like um like ninja sort of uh thief and there's this guy um Jesper who's this super awesome like flamboyant sharpshooter and they're this team of like rogues who are doing heists and stuff and I kept sitting there watching Kaz and I was like I remember this character. Like, I know who this guy is. He's this young, like, super hardcore, like, hard-boiled dude. And the show is pretty hard-boiled. Like, it's got, like, really pretty good violence in it. And, like, there's a lot of kind of dark turns and people are being really cynical and tough. And I was like, I know this. Okay, so here's why I knew it. There's another series that Lee Bardugo wrote, starting with the book Six of Crows. And I read that. Actually, I read the first half of that and then I didn't finish it. Not because it wasn't good. I just, like, wound up, not finishing it for reasons. So I had this thing in my mind where I knew these characters. I knew Kaz, I knew Inej, I knew Jesper. I was like, Nina, the heart render. I was like, a heart render. I know what that is. Like I've heard this before. But it's because what the people making the Netflix show decided was Six of Crows is apparently beloved by the readers. And there's a sequel book to it as well. And it takes place after the events of the original Shadow and Bone trilogy. So the show folds everything into one big story and like ah, takes all the cool. characters from the other book which is really cool this like fantasy heist novel with like thieves and dark like double crosses and all this cool crime underworld stuff and they fit it into shadow and bone which even bardugo has said apparently she's like yeah it's okay but like the first book in particular it's kind of tropey like it's just this Uh chosen one story it's not that great and six of crows is like really really great so (laughs) i like
0: the name six of crows it's a great destiny weapon
2: it does sound (laughs) like a destiny weapon um so the show is like a best of both worlds thing i loved it like i really loved the first season it changes a lot of stuff i mean those characters aren't even supposed to meet, so they're like writing new stuff for the for Kaz and his his crew of that's crows. That's cool.
0: That's such a fun way to do an adaptation. It's of such the a box. cool
2: idea, and it makes me. I am gonna go finish Six of Crows now because I'm like I want more. Like it's very much. It's very easy to watch, and you finish it, and you're like, oh, what happens oh, next?
0: Oh man, I want to watch. So this.
2: I want to go. Yeah, I want to go read the book, and apparently, actually. Polygon just published an article that was like, here's yeah. what to do.
1: Patrana wrote a follow-up where she was like, yeah. if you're gonna start reading this series, start with Six of Crows because it's yeah. a better book. Ooh. Don't start with the Shadow and Bone original so trilogy. Shadow
0: and Bone. That's the show. Okay, that sounds cool. The show yeah. is great
2: though. It's a lot of fun, just as a like really rich sort of political show that does have some of those like YA tropey things, but also is like, like I said, it's pretty hard-boiled. It's violent in a way that is weirdly enjoyable like you know I, whatever when I say it has good violence it just like has good fight scenes that are exciting <laughs> is, it, you know, uh, good is it a complete
0: story <laughs> yeah. or is it like got away for season 2 to see oh, what I mean, happens
2: next it's both it's like a show it's it's a complete okay. it's the first book so it's like a complete well, story just, but you're gonna be excited for Thrones, what happens next after
0: Game of Thrones I'm, <laughs> oh, well, I'm reluctant I mean, to start new fantasy
2: this trilogy game. is over and finished oh, and okay. like they're you know they okay. they know where that's going at least it's not gonna got be it. like Game of Thrones and it's got it. okay. it's not like quite a, it's not as like dark fantasy as Game of Thrones but it's also like darker than it would be I think if it were just based on the books and I liked it a lot anyways that's a long dumb story and really just a recommendation for that show for anyone who wants a cool. fun fantasy show to watch shadow and bone
0: it's on Netflix uh, Maddie what's your one more thing
1: so mine is also a Netflix thing it's this is a robbery which is a non-fiction miniseries about an art heist that happened in 1990 at the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum, which is a museum in my hometown of Boston. And I had always heard about this art heist. It's Mm. like hundreds of millions of dollars worth of art, and it was never Mm -hmm. found again. And it's an unsolved mystery that like haunts the city of Boston forever. And this is a super comprehensive four-part miniseries tons of interviews with people who were there so many boston accents like you should watch it for the accents alone because it's like a rainbow of boston accents and that's like so comforting to me but also it's just fascinating because they go over all the different people who you think maybe did the heist and you'll kind of convince yourself like oh clearly this guy was involved and they'll be like here's all the reasons why this guy probably wasn't involved and you're like damn okay and then like
0: (laughs) do they solve it do they solve it
1: they don't but It's fascinating because this art is probably still out there somewhere and the people who Mm. have it maybe don't know what it is. And like by the end, it seems like maybe the Italian mob was involved, but like, who knows? And like, they could have passed around the art to like family members or whatever. And maybe just these, this Rembrandt, precious Rembrandt painting is like in somebody's living room somewhere now. And who who could say, (laughs) or it's like hidden in some house somewhere. So basically I feel like they're trying to get the word out with this series by being like, have you literally seen any of these paintings? Like, do you have any leads? Like the end of it is just them being like, seriously though, nice. so it's can like you help us mysteries. find this? Call like, this number, <laughs> and it's like a ten million dollar reward or something if you find well, it. I don't wow. know, and no one's gonna find it. I think it's probably gone. That's kind of the tragic thing about about the story mm. is like the art has probably been destroyed. But it's fascinating from just a true crime perspective, and um. I'm a real wuss about true crime. Like Dina can watch all this stuff about rapes and murders and like really enjoy it. And I'm like, I can't I can't deal with that. But an art heist, I can watch a true crime about an art heist like that's okay with me. That's that's just an interesting mystery. So, yeah, I recommend it.
0: Maddie, have you watched American Vandal? Kirk no. I know you have <laughs> oh my god you gotta watch American Idol so you there are two admit, you would probably enjoy it and it's pretty like, good if you, want, if you want a true crime story
1: I feel like we talked about it on an app at one point yeah. we, did. we Kirk, did Kirk
0: brought it up a while ago it's a parody a couple years ago it's very silly it's a parody of true crime mm. so it's all about silly stuff but it's like done in the same style and it's really really good especially the second season which is yeah. like so well done surprisingly and you surprisingly would really good. enjoy it I, yeah, I will check both, it out both seasons are great um yeah. So, hey, that's not my one more thing. My one huh. more thing is a video game. I played a delightful game, you guys, <laughs> that I want to tell you both about, and I want you both to play. It is called, and this is the real title of this game: Turnip Boy commits tax evasion. Um, <laughs> Already in. in this game. Okay, this is so classic this game, like in the Turnip Boy series. <laughs> it's a top-down. It's a top-down, adorable, cartoony. Uh, Zelda-like, um, and mm, it's nice. this little game. It took me like three or four hours to beat. Um, it's a little game, so it's very very digestible, very easy to get into and jump into, very kid-friendly. Um, you play as a turnip boy who commits tax evasion um, because there is a lot of taxes in in this little town of vegetables and fruits where he lives, and the mayor is, uh, is, is seizing his house as a result of that, and you have to go out and do tasks for the mayor, like go find things in the forest and go find things in an abandoned uh, farmhouse. And, sure. Um, kind of things that explore, need you to do. Yeah, you know. Explore these Classic. Zelda dungeons. It is so funny and so adorable. There's oh. a lot of uh, great humor in it, um, a lot of. F- internet humor which can be hit or miss but like it it mostly works Um, really fun just like exploring this little world and like you have to fight animals that eat vegetables like snails and stuff and rabbits Um, and there are just these fun gags and um, hilarious bosses like giant pigs that that when you beat them they turn into bacon and stuff like that it's a lot of just like fun cartoony visual humor very like if my kid my kid is uh, one and a half if she was like a couple years older this would be a perfect game for her um, but it's really great for anyone who's like into Zelda likes because it's fun and then there's like a surprising amount of depth to it there's like a bunch of side quests um, you have a task list that is going around and ripping up pieces of paper um, so you have to rip up like your tax evasion your tax bill you have to rip up mm, other people's okay. tax bills you have that to rip up satisfying. letters I would love to rip up my tax bill <laughs> <laughs> it is fun um, yeah, yeah, yeah tell me about it and then it's uh, and yeah, and then there's a lot of like good puzzle solving. It's like very it's Zelda-lite, I would call it. There's a lot of fun stuff you can do. Nice. Um early in the game you get a watering can and you can use that to plant um to to water plants of like like bomb plants and sword plants and then you use mm. them to solve various puzzles, um fire plants and stuff like that. Um and you get items. It's got a Metroidvania quality in that like you're getting stuff that unlocks other stuff. Um and yeah, the dialogue is all really clever and fun. And then there's nice. also this mystery that underlying this world, where it is like, hey, wait a minute, why are there no humans here? What are we? Why are we all talking vegetables? And then it gets a little dark, <laughs> and there's like some dark stuff, dark undertones to mm-hmm. it all. When you when you finally figure out like how this world was created and why you're all here, there's some like really interesting, interesting. stuff to well, it. Right? A little bit of bug, bug snacks action, it sounds like. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it is. It did remind me kind of a bug snacks. Um, really, really enjoyed this game. Really, just a delightful. Experience nice. and never wore out its welcome because, so like, I'm sure there are people out there who will be like, Oh, three hours, I'd never play that. But I think it's only like 11 or 12 dollars on Steam and Switch. It's on Switch already, so yeah, it's not like one of those games where you have to wait for it to come to Switch because it's a good, sounds I like an ideal Steam, switch, it's game. A good switch. Oh, game. yeah, yeah it's love a three switch hour
1: game. Switch game. That's like, mm. yeah,
0: three hour, like Zelda, like it's yeah. very, very enjoyable. I nice. recommend it. It's called, once again, Turnip Boy Commits Tax Evasion, and that is what happens. Not a very memorable name, I'm sure people have forgotten it already. <laughs> Yeah, it's an accurate title. Um, I enjoyed it, and yeah, you should go play it. Nice, cool. All right, that is it for this week's episode. Yeah. Once again, we will be back live on Tuesday, coming at you May fourth, six thirty p.m. Eastern Time Zone. Check out our Twitch channel. We yeah. will be there. You will get to watch us set up, do our pre-show. Um, it's gonna be Do great. our breaks. Do our post-show. It's
1: all gonna work. Get
0: all the behind-the-scenes stuff. It's very dramatic. So
2: it's excited. very fun
1: it's gonna be great
0: alright on that note see you guys next time alright
1: bye
0: bye Triple Click
2: is produced by Jason Schreier Maddie Myers and me Kirk Hamilton I edit and mix the show and also wrote our theme music our show art is by Tom DJ some of the games and products we talked about on this episode may have been sent to us for free for review consideration you can find a link to our ethics policy in the show notes
1: CosmumFun.org.
2: Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.